Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the Jew and Gentile podcast. I am your host, Chris Katolka, and with me is none other than the sage himself, the Jewish sage, uh, Mr. Steve Herzig. How are you, sir? Where is he? Where? Who? You're right there. Oh, the, the sage. I'm looking for the sage. You are the sage. Ay, 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 things are bad. <laughs> The sage if I'm the himself. sage, things are bad. The sage of Cleveland, right? That's what it is. All right, everybody, here we go. I'm so glad you're here. We've got a great show lined up for you. Man, I thought we were wrap, wrapping up the song there. I was getting ready to start the it program. It just keeps going. I know. It's a great song. We've never talked about our song before. We ought to do that. We'll do that some other time because we. Uh, here we go. Welcome in. Welcome in. Man, I got psyched out there for a moment. Um, it's great to have you back to the program. Thank you so much for being a part of the Jew and Gentile podcast. Now, listen, before we get started, it's December, Steve. December 1st. Tonight we have David Brog on. He's going to be uh, uh, um, uh, on our FOI Equip. He's our guest lecture. This is really good. Yeah, this da- is really good. Ty Perry is a good friend of his, and he's coming on. And I think our listeners are going to be really helped by this opportunity. I am excited. Uh, David Brog, uh, he is I, he is the former executive director of Kufi Christians United for Israel, and he's a Jewish man himself. From Las Vegas. Uh, uh, he lives in Las Vegas. Sorry, he's a Jersey that's boy. That's right, he's a Jersey boy. He's from right. New Jersey. <laughs> that's from the shores. From the shore in New Jersey, in Margate. Not very far from Atlantic City. Just a five-minute drive. Um, but he uh, has a lot of experience in Christian Zionism, and he has a real heart for Christians who love Israel and the Jewish people. So I think he's going to bring some great insight and resources to tonight's uh, guest lecture series, David Brog. It's going to be great. Our last equipped class of the year, but you have a whole committee that you work with to try to fashion courses that will be helpful to the body of Christ and to others who might listen, uh, but and be uh, be a, a a real help to the community and. Man, I'm looking forward to next year's courses. Yep, we'll start re- revealing next year's courses, but I'll start with January's class. Are you ready? Yeah, I don't know what January. I know what February's is, but I don't know what January. All right, well, I'll let you tell what February's is. But January's first FOI equip class is fashioned after David Levy's book, The Tabernacle. Ooh, good. And we're gonna good. have Dan Price, who is the assistant director to our international um, representatives all around the world. Uh, serving with Friends of Israel, he's going to come on to teach that three-week series on the tabernacle. So if you want to learn about the tabernacle, the importance of the tabernacle, what it means to God, what it means uh, that Jesus came to tabernacle with us, uh, you're going to want to join that FOI Equip class. That's great, and I'm hoping we'll promote David Levy's book, because David Levy's book is really the gold standard uh, for understanding the tabernacle, all the furniture in the tabernacle, and uh, David spent a lot of time. I remember when he was writing that book. That tells you something right there. Talk about sage. I was there in the presence of David as he was writing the tabernacle. Well, every sage has a sage himself. That's I mean, right. every rabbi has a rabbi. Oh, so that's I know right. David Levy is your rabbi. A hundred percent. So 100%. He, he is the sage extraordinaire if we were to give him one. But and maybe one day we should have David on the program. That would I'd be love to do that. And then in February, we're going to have a round table that will be... That's <laughs> going to be hilarious. Chris, you'll be the Gentile and you'll say, so... How's it going? And we won't hear from you 
For an hour. It's, it's the Jews and the Gentiles. That's right. Uh, it's a roundtable on what it's like being a Jewish believer. I'm excited to talk about this because I am sure that you guys, that all of you use guys, uh, all of you have great insights into, you know, what it's like to be to, to be a Jewish believer. I always think I always think it's funny because I think a lot of Christians don't know what to do with Jewish believers. You know, so are you Jewish or you know, are you are you a Hebrew, a Hebrew Christian? I mean, I'm sure you've heard so many different variations. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have I ever, have I ever. And so I think we could have a great conversation. I know we'll have a great conversation. Like you said, it won't even be a conversation. I'm going to say, welcome, everybody. Is anything okay? And boom, you're <laughs> well, gone. Well, I could tell you this real quick story. I was speaking down in Florida, in Hollywood, Florida, and uh, the 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 church asked me to spend a few days at a conference. And so I got there and they showed me their uh, promotional material. He, uh, he <laughs> heaven bound Hebrew. <laughs> That's the way they promoted it. A heaven bound Hebrew. And I said, Who's this? What do you? Oh, I'm heaven bound Hebrew. I, okay. <laughs> there you go. Right, be sure to bring that up at our round table. Oh, I will. I'm sure. Well, all those dates will be coming out soon, but we've got a great, we've got our whole year lined up for FY Equip classes. But I want to pause really quick because for the month of December, I'm actually appealing to our our, our Jew and Gentile audience. Um, we're so thankful for all of you who listen and we know that you're out there listening on on various podcast platforms and on YouTube and hey, Facebook. Hey, Chris, somebody's in a shower. I got a note. I don't know. <laughs> I got a note from a good friend of mine in Chicago who goes in his shower for one hour. <laughs> I'm not making this up. I showed it to you, right? Yes. I, our yes. listeners could think I'm making this up. This this is not hyperbole. This is not a Jewish guy expi- making things bigger. No. Nope. <laughs> he... He wrote to me and said, I spend an hour in the shower listening to the Jew <laughs> Gentile podcast. He probably gets super clean. I can tell you that. Well, and I also know that we have some YouTube listeners who listen to us before they go to bed. <laughs> and I always think to myself, if I, if I, it'd be like listening to heavy metal music before you go to bed, you know? Yeah. How could they go to sleep? It'd probably hurt their head. <laughs> I'm glad we can lull, uh, lull them to sleep. If we calm somebody down to, you know, some people listen. <laughs> to very soft like nature sounds yeah. and all that i'd love to meet personally talk with this couple who go to bed listening to us <laughs> they, their life must be so incredibly high high spirited yeah that, that we're we, calm that we are the downer for their day <laughs> i can't imagine that <laughs> well for all of our listeners we're thankful wherever you listen however you listen but we're appealing to you right now because on december uh, this december we want to spend the next four weeks uh we would like to raise ten thousand dollars for uh foi equip you yeah know that, we've never asked for money chris that's right we've from the podcast we've never asked for money um uh the jew and gentiles pot uh, podcast is sponsored by foi equip but i want to share with you why your gift to FOI Equip uh, will actually do more than just support the podcast. Number one, the podcast does require uh, funds to run, to air, to 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 for all the equipment and and uh, not the time to put it together. I can't we can't say it's the time that we invest in putting it together, but everything else though, all the equipment and the software and all that stuff requires attention and even the promotion of this of the of the and we're happy to do it we we oh, are yeah. we're always glad to do it but there comes a time when you say hey do we got to be able to 
enhance this, expand it, um, because it is blessing others. And so you and I determined, hey, we we should just ask if our people are are happy and they really benefit from this. Maybe they want some skin in the game. They could take some ownership. We want them to do that. Yep. And so the first is it's going to help bless the Jew and Gentile podcast. The next part of your gift will be the expansion of our FOI equip classes. If you listen to the podcast and you take our FOI equip classes, you'll understand the value of the FOI equip classes. I was just on uh, the phone um, with uh, our good friends, Bob and Laura Brandsburg, uh, who listen our to the eighth listeners. That's right. Eighth and nine. Ninth. That's right. We're getting up there. We are moving. We're moving on up. That's right. We're targeting our nine listeners right now. So, uh, but, uh, when you, when, when I was talking with Laura and Bob, uh, they were mentioning that, uh, their friend, I believe leads worship and, um, they, they were a part of the class that Yael Kalisher did last February on Hebrew worship. And they said how much that their neighbor in North Carolina was impacted by that class. You know, I think I might, I, I, I don't want to be exaggerating, but I think I remember them saying it was something that really impacted his life. And so we love impacting people's lives when it comes to, because it's not us, it's the scriptures. And we really believe in the value of teaching the the Bible from a Jewish perspective. And so we are finding more and more people are gravitating to the classes that we have with FOI Equip. So again, your gift and donation will help expand the teaching of the Friends of Israel, specifically FOI Equip, and really studying the Bible, understanding the Bible from a Jewish perspective. But that's not—your gift will go even further, because FOI Equip has interns, Steve. Interns! I have talked to those interns. In fact, just uh, last—was it this week? Uh, I On Monday. It was Monday. Today's Thursday, and on Monday— I was with uh, four of those interns, and man, they are—they are doing. You know, Chris, they're doing a lot of work, ministry, but they're—they're they're fulfilling their passion. Yep. And Friends of Israel has allowed them to fulfill their passion. That, quite frankly, if you would ask them six months ago, they didn't even know they had, and now they do know. Yeah, exactly. We have—we uh, have interns in Atlanta, in South Carolina in uh, Oregon and Washington State, uh, a Portland, Oregon area. I'm sorry, Portland, Oregon area, and then also um, in Houston, Texas. And the work that they're doing in the Jewish community. So it's not just teaching that we're doing, Steve, with FOI Equip. Our interns are going into the Jewish community and being a light of the Messiah Jesus to the Jewish communities around them, getting involved in the in JCCs, in the in Holocaust museums, and and uh, connecting with people that way to really be a light of Christ uh, to the Jewish communities around them. And they're also going around and sharing about the ways that people can connect with with the friends of Israel. So our our and our interns are doing a fantastic job. I know a, uh, the the uh, uh, two of them right now are up in the, near New York City doing ministry. Uh, with one of our Friends of Israel representatives. So when you're when you're giving to FOI Equip, you're not just giving to the podcast. You're not just giving to just teaching. You're also giving to this, the, the spread of the good news of Jesus the Messiah all around the country. And so I, I, I'll just share one story before we, we get going here. But one of our interns, Steve, he cooked a brisket. <laughs> he <laughs> a, did? And he sent me a picture of the brisket. For Rabbi Dice. <laughs> I I couldn't. That's his name, Rabbi Dice. He, he had, cooked a whole, and they he said that thing went so fast. It, they were so grateful yep. and thankful. That was a way to connect over the table. A kosher. 
brisket kosher brisket and he did a great job and so uh, i just really want you to know uh we are making not only uh teaching uh available for everybody whether on the podcast or fy equip but also taking that teaching and putting it to action for the cause of the gospel so anyway um if you feel called uh to give to foi equip which i hope you are i want to encourage you to go to go foi.org forward slash foi equip i'll say it one more time Go foi.org forward slash foi equip. That link is also in our show notes if you feel compelled to give. I hope you do. We're trying to raise $10,000 to keep the foi equip ministry moving forward. Let me just share a real quick story I learned on Monday as well. One of our, uh, our interns is actually taking uh, not just her, but a couple other people to listen to a Holocaust survivor. Mm -hmm. Chris, Holocaust survivors have been around, obviously, since the Holocaust, but they're dying out. It's It's been a long time since the Holocaust took place. And one of the chief fears uh, of Jewish people in general, and certainly those who survived the Holocaust, they want the story to go on. They mm -hmm. want to be they not necessarily themselves remembered, but the Holocaust itself because of increasing number of deniers. So here is our intern going to benefit the Jewish community by being a herself a Gentile, bringing people to listen to the story. That's going to be passed on, and that becomes something that happens through our equip. We are helping do that, and when somebody decides to donate to us, they're ministering to and through the Jewish people. Mm. It's an amazing thing. Great, great, great. That's a gofoi.org. Help us raise $10,000 this month for FOI Equip. Okay, uh, Steve, I texted you last night. Yep. Uh, after we got home from the office, and I just said, what are we doing for the podcast? <laughs> you, did, you did do that. And I said, hey, how about... The apocalypse. Uh, that's right. The apocalypse. The apocalypse. It just it, let's start off that way. What goes through your mind? I have to. The apocalypse. There's movies called the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. The typical American, when we say, "Oh, we're studying the apocalypse," what do you think people are thinking? And just from that word, the apocalypse. I, I mean, the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah. End of the world. They, they think. Missiles and uh, destruction, and uh, there's been all kinds of. And this is apocalyptic. This is, you know, we're look, we're going to look at the Book of Revelation, which is the unveiling. It's mm -hmm. an unveiling. It's a and it's an unveiling of Jesus Christ. Yes, as you read through the Book of Revelation, we're going to find end times things taking place. But I think as you read through the Book of Revelation, you're going to. You're, Jesus Christ is revealed, unveiled in an incredible way by an author, Chris. He saw him before, he saw him after, and then he waits 60 years. Mm, good point. 60 years, and he sees him again. I, and you know what's interesting? The time he saw him in Matthew, he saw him unveil. We've, we've even talked about that. There was that time that Christ, as it were, revealed his glory, even before the cross. And do you remember what the three disciples did as soon as he did it? Fell down. Yep. Boom. They were down. At The glory of God is so overwhelming that the natural man just couldn't fall down dead. So they did that then. 
They they saw the pre uh, they saw Christ who was incarnated before he went to the cross. They saw his glory. Then they saw the resurrected Christ. And then John waited. He was the last of the apostles. He waited 60 years and he saw him again and guess what he did when he saw him. Bada boom. He was down. Yep. Dead. As if the the text says as if dead. And that's why I think it this is an unveiling. Uh, and included in the unveiling is going to be the how, how we end up with a new heaven and a new earth. We'll get there. But to me, it's an unveiling of Christ. The description just in chapter 1, which is what we're covering. His hair's white. He's got a long, long robe, bronze feet, fire in his eyes. Man, that's that's Revelation 19, judgment. Uh, it's, it's, it's such an amazing—for me, it's been a refresher— to, to to see Christ the way he is now. Yeah. Amazing. Well, you know, I I, I want to share this because uh, this comes from YouGov. Uh, um, in a, uh, it's a poll that was done in 2020. This is actually March 18th, 2020. So this was just as the whole world was shutting down because of the pandemic. And it says nearly three in 10 U.S. adults think that it's likely there will be an apocalyptic disaster in their lifetime. Um, and 17% of Americans say that they have an apocalypse survival plan for their family. I don't have one of those apocalyptic survival plans, except for my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. So, uh, but anyway, it's interesting because it is on the minds of people all around the world that all they think the that world. there is an end to all of this, that uh, at some point it all does ravel up and it doesn't necessarily fall within our in our evangelical framework of, of biblical thinking. Well, you know, Chris, uh, we just got a letter from Mike Stollard, who was writing to our representative in the Ukraine. We just got it this week. We've been praying for those in Ukraine. Uh, what's happened is, is some of us have forgotten. It's been ongoing for months and months. And interesting, as I read that letter, it caused me certainly to pray for Tatiana. Uh, but as I read that, she said, Almost everybody at the front line is a believer in God now. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> now. Yeah. They're on the front lines. They're in darkness right now. There's a satellite picture uh, uh, that you could see of the country of Ukraine. It's dark. It wasn't that way before. And that's because electricity is gone. The Russians are trying to make everybody freeze uh, in the winter and take away their electricity, etc. But I want to drive home when when something like this happens. Yes. People begin to think about things that are eternal yes. in in nature. And so her point was I I kind of laughed. It's not funny, but she's everybody at the front line they believe in God. They yeah. do believe in God now. And you know as we go through this book of Revelation, I could testify that my own sister came to know Christ. Because she got frightened. Mm -hmm. I I have no problem with that. What was she frightened of? She began to think as a young 24-year-old 20, or 23-year-old, whatever she was at that time, she began to think, wait a minute, I could die. Yeah. She began to think of eternal things as she was, for the first time, uh, circumstances came where she was reading the New Testament. She began to think, wait a minute, what happens in the future? That's a reading the book of Revelation, by the way, it gives a it promises a blessing. Yeah. 
part of that blessing, I'm sure, is that there probably been a lot of people after they read Revelation got saved. <laughs> Bada boom, there's your blessing. He's promised in the first chapter blessings if you read it out loud, number one. So guess what I've done I did already last night, Chris. What? I read chapter one out loud in front of the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> I want the blessing. It, you are a, glowing a little bit today. I mean, ah, that must be a little of the Shekinah from, from Reed. But the promise is there. We don't know what the blessing is. God promises a blessing. We always think we know what the blessing is. But it's promise of blessing. He who, he who reads, he who hears, and he who follows. Can, you know, th- there's this, um, th- when we talk about, uh, I'm glad that we did Jonah. And then we're going to this because Jonah, again, I think sets a perfect stage of what's going on here. You know, God was going to judge the Ninevites and his wrath was going to come down on them. And then Jonah, the prophet, goes and says, hey, repent, turn to God and he will relent from his you know, calamity on you or, you know, pray, you know, and he did. He relent, but there's a day coming, as Zephaniah predicts, as the Apostle Paul predicts, as Jesus Himself predicts. There's a day coming when God's wrath will be poured out on sin on this entire globe. It will be poured out, and you know, I think a lot of times we forget about that. You know, you were talking about your sister being frightened. You know, it is kind of funny. Sometimes I think we have eliminated that concept of. We should be frightened. I mean, the Ninevites were frightened. What? God's going to pour his judgment out on us? Because We've got to turn. We've got to repent. We've got to, because God's, he'll forgive us maybe if we do that. And God did, and he, you know, prevented his wrath from coming down. But there's a day coming when it won't be prevented. It will, the book of Revelation is about the fact that God has provided a way, but his wrath is coming. Even the Apostle Paul says this, and it's, very fascinating. In, in, in Romans chapter 1 and Romans chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says that essentially those who are stubborn and don't turn to the Lord, their hearts are, their hearts are hardened, they are storing up wrath for themselves for the day of wrath that's coming. The Apostle Paul talks a lot about a day of wrath that's coming. That's why we need a Savior to save us from that day of wrath. So, you know, when, when you think about, oh, I think a lot of Christians today go, how horrible. That your that your sister uh, um, came to faith in Jesus through through being scared. Uh, I think it's grace. I, it's grace. I know, but that's I, I hear that over and over. Oh, how horrible! The 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 fact that she had the fear to come to faith. Yeah, just like the Ninevites, judgment is coming. There is an element of yes, judgment is still coming, and you need a savior. And that's what the Book of Revelation is pointing to to the fact that God's judgment is coming. And he's going to establish new something new through that judgment. So, well, Chris, um, it the text tells us that when Jesus revealed, when his hair is white, he's wearing a garment. His eyes are like fire. Out of his mouth goes a sharp edged, double edged sword. Guess John falls down as if dead. Dead. Forget yep. there's there was no promise of judgment. Just. His appearance, the holiness, the magnificence. He's also called in in Revelation Almighty. Yeah, Chris, it won't. <laughs> the idea of seeing Christ in His fullness, in His fullness, will drop every one of us down. That's what it's drop a, that's, every one of us down. It forget the judgment part. 
just standing anywhere near his presence, his holiness is so beyond ours, our sinfulness is so sinful that we drop down, unless he extends the hand. And that's what happens. He extends a hand. He puts it on, does it to John a couple times in the book, puts his hand Mm. on his shoulder. Ah, then you could rise. Then you could see him because he's made that possible. Uh, No, the uh, fear is a blessed thing. Mm -hmm. We fear certain things. It protects us. Fearing God is the beginning of wisdom. Exactly. Fearing him. So, hey, I fear God. Judgment's coming. That's. It. I think you were right in talking about Jonah. <laughs> Jonah didn't want to go because he knew God would forgive them. Exactly. And he wanted wrath on them. Exactly. <laughs> he wanted wrath on them. They deserve wrath, but Jonah deserve. We all deserve wrath. But God, God said, I want you to go there so that my wrath will be stalled. May they repent. I'm giving them an opportunity to repent. The book of Revelation is the same thing. We know the end of the story. Are you willing to repent? The apocalypse, the unveiling is happening. What are you going to do about it? Why on earth would John say to the seven churches, there are seven listed in the first chapter. Mm -hmm. He's got one letter. It's going to seven churches, and he wants them to read this letter publicly. This yeah. is to be read. We have it in our Bible. It's, it's a blessing to read it on your own. But they were so seven churches in that area in Asia are going to read this unveiling. What's it going to do for the body of Christ? You know what it's going to do, Chris? It's going to encourage them. Yeah. It's going to give them a sense of peace because there's persecution all the time. All the time. And so Chapter 1 is such an amazing chapter uh, in seeing Christ as he is. John got to see that. It's indescribable. He's trying to describe it to us. You hear the word like. Like, exactly. Like, like, like. Because I can't tell you exactly the way it was, but if you understand this, white hair. We we have an image of white hair in our minds. But to actually describe what he actually looked like, that was the best John could do. It's over, Christ is overwhelmed in his in his effulgence, in his majesty. Nice word. In in every he's more than we could grasp. And John's just trying to give us uh, an understanding. A glimpse. Here, before, I'm going to turn it back to you, but I have to say, uh, there was a preacher who was talking about the Book of Revelation, and he said, you know, part of the thing of Revelation is people say. I don't understand everything in the book. And he said, so what? Mm. You think anybody fully understands the book? No. Keep reading it. Keep meditating on it. And here's, a here's I'm going to give you the rest of the story. And this is actually has happened on numerous times when people are asked, what does the book of Revelation mean? Oh, you're mean? giving it away now. I'm giving it away right now. All right, right so now. people can tune out. <laughs> they could tune out right after this. Here it is. We win. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's good. We win. Yeah. Who, who's we? Believers win. Why do we win? Because Christ wins. That's right. He He's going to fix what happened all the way back in Genesis. It was all our fault. Back Is, is anything okay? Not for man. Nothing's okay for man. Is anything okay? <laughs> so w- when I say we win, really, it's Christ. 
wins. Yeah. He wins the day. So that's right. Tune out if you you know you know the end of the story. We win. The but you know, as a sporting event, you know what happens when your team wins and you're in your own stadium? People hang around after the win. Mm-hmm. And so yes, we win. But let's let's get hang together. around. That's let's right. Hang around the book of Revelation and glory. <laughs> In the win. So uh, two things really quick before we get started. And I love that how long. Oh, we've you been mean talking. we haven't started? We haven't really. Well, I mean, like it's a look at a verse or two here. <laughs> we, we haven't even started. And uh, what? 20 minutes is gone. That's right. So the first is this. this the timing of this book is very important, Steve, to the to the way that we're going to interpret the book of Revelation. Because um, it's gonna it's gonna show that uh, what we believe these are events that are yet to come in the book of Revelation. We um, at Friends of Israel, we are well, not the whole book. We believe chapter one happened. Oh, yes. we believe chapters two and three happen, uh, and then it, yes. And but then we're talking were, about the future events. I'm sorry, hundred percent. The one who was is and is to come. That's right, and so. Uh, we're talking we're, at Friends of Israel. We we are premillennial, and we are uh, uh, thank uh, God. Yes, I'm, exactly. I'm I'm with them. Pre uh, dis, uh, tribulational. So, but we're premillennial, which means that we believe that uh, before the millennium is established, Jesus will return, and so we actually see that as an event that's yet to come. So uh, when we look at what happens in Revelation chapter 19, Revelation chapter 20, and Revelation chapter 22. Uh, those are all uh, before the millennium comes, or the reign of Christ on Earth. Those events must are going to happen after Christ returns, and so a lot of these events that we're going to be reading about, specifically after Revelation chapter four or five, and moving on to six, seven, and beyond, those are all future events. They're not events that took place in history, which is why the dating of the book is very important. We believe, and I, as we were talking about earlier, Steve, uh, a, a lot of scholars believe that the book of Revelation was written after 90 AD when John was on the island of Patmos. And there's a reason for that, uh, that, that, that a lot of scholars believe that. It centers on, around a leader of uh, Rome, Domitian. Domitian. Mm-hmm. I can never pronounce his name correctly. Uh, but he ruled in the 80s and 90s. Uh, That's eight, literally 80s and not, not like it, 1980s. No, no, <laughs> this, is, this is CE if you're Jewish. And B.C.E. No, no, A.D. A.D., sorry. It's uh, C.E. and uh, A.D. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he ruled 81 to around 96. And we know that John was exiled on, the, on, on Patmos, which was a place especially for Christians who were being persecuted by the leadership, particularly him. That's right. And we know that John left there in 96, which coincides with... With Domitian, who left, who died in ninety six. So we believe in the later date of the uh, uh, revelation, the date that he wrote the letter in the nineties. That's right. Uh, if, some you, people, if you do it in seventy, the problem is, is everything. A lot of people try to argue that the Book of Revelation was written prior to seventy A.D. because they want to force all of the all of the destruction, all of the judgment into into 70 AD when the temple was destroyed by the Romans. So they want to see the Antichrist as, you know, as someone who's coming in and destroying the temple and Jewish people fleeing from Jerusalem. So they they want they what they really want to do if if they read through the uh Jesus's judgment of Jerusalem and uh you know the Olivet They believe Discord, that's the tribulation. They believe that's the tribulation. And uh, so yeah, yeah, Chris, it's hard I, I, now I put my Jewish hat on. 
I go to Jeremiah, the time of Jacob's trouble, and read from all the rabbis, their interpretation. Read the text itself, a, t- a time of Jacob's trouble, an unprecedented, I've heard rabbis say, an unprecedented time of trouble. Unprecedented. So what happened, you could make the argument in 70 AD that what happened uh, with the fall of Jerusalem, that's, that's bad. Uh, no problem. But it hasn't been the worst time. Yeah. <laughs> it hasn't. Not what's even prophesied. You say, well, the Holocaust, which obviously happened after 70 AD, but that's not the worst time. Yeah. I'm sorry to say that's not the, it's ba- that's horrible. The text tells us in Zechariah that two-thirds of the Jewish people are going to die. That's never happened before. Mm. So when does it, oh, two-thirds. That's exactly what the book of Revelation talks about. Mm-hmm. And so it's a unprecedented time. So yes, we are pre-tribulational as well. We believe that the church was a mystery and that God is going, doesn't mean the church hasn't been, has, hasn't had tribulation. It's just that they don't go through Jacob's tribulation. That's right. That's not something we go through. That's specifically for Israel. And by the way, as a Jewish person, I'm part of the body of Christ now. But yes, that I, I think dividing the book is really important. We're going to do that as we go along. Chapter 1 stands kind of by itself. Chapters 2 and 3, the churches that were in John's time, that stands by itself. Then you got chapters 4 and 5, which is an incredible opportunity for John to be in heaven yep. uh, and see things that he describes to us. And then starting in chapter 6 and going all the way to 19, my question to people, is anything okay? <laughs> We're going to have to find some okay things in the midst of just awful things. Yeah, I remember we did Revelation a couple of years ago for a uh, conference, online conference that we did, our lookup conference online. And <laughs> Jim Showers, our executive director, he gave me, I think, Revelation 6 through 19. <laughs> I had to is do, anything okay? Is anything okay? But uh, it's a serious time, but it's really important to place uh, uh, Revelation in uh, 90 AD or not up to 96 AD because that is post the destruction of the temple, which means that John, it, it, writing it in 90 plus AD, is actually looking at future events beyond the temple destruction, and so giving us a, a picture that 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 John and, and Jesus, of course, himself, and even the church fathers were looking forward to these events taking place, which then makes me also want to just wrap back around one more time, Steve, it, the idea of Domitian's persecution of the church. It wasn't just John. It was the church. That is the really strong emphasis that we see throughout the book of Revelation as well, is that, look, at as you're being persecuted, you want to be encouraged. You know, if you're being persecuted, here is the the apocalypse, the unveiling of what's going to come in the future. Well, here, if you're a Christian and you're being persecuted for believing that Jesus is the Messiah, the King— well, don't you want to know who wins the battle? You want to hold on because victory is at hand. That's right. And even the martyrs are crying out, when, Lord, when will you avenge for our our our, our uh, desire to, to stay true to you? When will you avenge our blood? They're crying out from under the altar because they are being persecuted. There's mar- martyrs being persecuted. And so, again, it's a strong uh, 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 passage and a strong book for those who are being persecuted during this time. And we're going to even see how the churches were responding 
during that time as we go through Revelation. We so, should read a few verses. Yeah, why uh, don't you go ahead? You get started, and and then we'll we'll pick what, up in chapter one again get, next week. Get started. <laughs> well, let me just start off with reading verses one through three because I think that's important. It's this is the revelation or the apocalypse, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servant things which must shortly shortly take place. Mm-hmm. Oh, later on we're going to see uh, that he's coming it's coming soon but shortly take place and he sent and signified it by the angel of his servant John who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw John's perfect person he's going to see him in the future but he's already seen him yep he's an apostle he saw him and so he says blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Oh, Chris, this this gets my attention right away. You're you're one of those church. Your church is in Ephesus or Laodicea or wherever you are, and this is the unveiling. John the apostle, you're getting this letter from John, who's being persecuted himself. I just want you to know this is the unveiling. This would be, I think, the people at that time, were so amazed at what they were about to read. I don't know if we can capture that as we do it, but certainly it has the same panache. It should have the same panache as it did back then. You know, what would you say to somebody who says, time is near? Man, that was written in 90 AD, 95 AD. This is 2,000 years later. Time seems pretty far away. it, It does, except for biblical perspective of time. Mm. I always I always say when I'm at the platform and I I talk about uh, if I'm given the opportunity to talk about prophetic things I say, you know, I know there's people who think, "Uh, when is this? We haven't seen any of this. This stuff's crazy." It's been 2 days. It's been 2 days. How do I know that? Because of what happens in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. A day? It's a thousand years to God. Mm. A thousand years? As a day. <laughs> I've been gone a couple days. I'll, I'll be there, but I'm up. I've only been gone a couple days. So to us, time it's it's it could drag on. It's it's kind of like when I've told my grandkids when they were I have a, my youngest now is five, and I I've told him when he was younger and the other ones as well. Hey, next week we're gonna we're gonna go do some fun thing, get ice cream or something. Next week? When's next week? Oh, today's Saturday. It's next Saturday. Mm-hmm. That to them is a billion years. <laughs> Not to me. You talk to an old person about something that took place 20 years ago. That's well, like yesterday. Yeah. So for, in God's chronology, a thousand, a thousand, it, time means nothing to God. So in order to help us, hey, a thousand years to God is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. And so, yeah, he's been gone a couple days. This is going to happen, no question about it. It's going to happen at God's time clock, uh, at least from our perspective. But we need to know that from God's perspective, it hasn't been that long. Yeah, it hasn't. No, I, I agree with you. And also, you know, when you're talking about the idea that it's near, you have to, I mean, we've been, Jesus even said that, that the kingdom of God is at hand, it's near. Even Jesus was saying those things, and we haven't seen the completion of that yet. 
as well. So 100%. So <laughs> so uh, we're, we're moving through, though, and we're seeing that it's a blessing. Steve's already read this out loud, so he's a little more blessed than me right now. But <laughs> but he begins, he says this in verse 4. He says, John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from, who, uh, from him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. You have to imagine for Domitian, uh, uh, that was kind of the ruler of the kings of the earth. Who does this guy think? If you really think about that. Ask when, Nebuchadnezzar about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that it's made him go crazy, you know? Yep. Uh, the idea that he wasn't the top honcho, he wasn't the number one. You know, that's I, I'm convinced it's one of the reasons Paul wanted to go to Rome. Paul wanted to go to Rome to tell Caesar, hey, you, Don't be you, such a big shot. You're not the big macher. That's right. The real king is coming back, and it's not here in Rome. He's coming back to Jerusalem. Keep your eye on Jerusalem. And that's the reason Paul kept himself in jail for two years in Caesarea. That's the reason he wanted to, even though he was an innocent man, he still wanted to get to Caesar. Strategic. Exactly. Paul was always strategic. And Jesus is the king of kings. That's what that means, to be the king of kings. And so it says this, to him who loves us, and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve uh, his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. I like this, Steve. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, and even those who pierce him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. I, I think it's interesting that um, John goes back to Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, the Son of Man passage. Such an important passage in the Gospels, such an important passage in the New Testament, the, the, the image of the Son of Man coming, riding on the clouds. And he uses that here in, in, um, in uh, Revelation chapter 1 to set the, the, the pace, uh, to set the, the, the trajectory of who it is we're talking about here, the Son of Man. No question about it. I, I see the triune God here as well, uh, the one who is, was, and is to come, the Father from the seven spirits. You know, you can go to the prophet Isaiah who lists the seven spirits, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, of counsel, might, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. That's the Holy Spirit. Mm. And then the Son, Jesus Christ. So in chapter 1, to set the stage as John is imprisoned on Patmos, he is unveiling to us the triune God. And the emphasis is going to be on the second person. Why? Because it was the second person who was chosen by the Godhead in agreement to come and pay the price and fix what has been broken. That's right. And the idea, too, I love of the Son of Man from Daniel 7 is that it's an image of a of a human. That's what son of man means. It means human. Ben Adam in Hebrew, yep. human. A human walks up to God in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. He just walks right up, and God bestows on him authority, power, dominion to rule over every nation, tribe, tongue, language, you name it. Uh, and so people group. So here, Jesus is 
loves that title for him. It's actually the title he uses the, the most. hundred percent. He uses it the most. And yep. so, the, but the picture is that God has always, I think this is so, this kind of wraps back to Genesis 12, Steve. God has always had in mind the nations. God has always had in mind the entire world. Even though he's chosen Israel as God's chosen people, he chose them to bring the blessing to the nations. We were to be the light. That's right, exactly. The light. We were to be, we were the, even the place he chose. It's a land bridge. The whole thing was set up and we blew it. <laughs> it was set up by God. I'm going to bring these people through this land that I've given to you. Show them what I'm like. Yeah. And we said, eh. You know what I love about God, though? Ezekiel chapter 36, it's one of my favorite phrases uh, it, that always sticks out to me, is that God says, I sent you into the nations because you 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 disobeyed me, you sinned. So I sent you into the nations, and even there you dishonored my name, and you, you made it mud among the nations and, and among the Gentiles. And so I'm going to—God says, I'm about to act. That's what he says. I'm about to act, and I'm going to restore you to your land— why am I going to restore you to your land? So that the nations will know that I am the Lord, and you will know that I am the Lord. So I love that. I'm going to get you. I'm going to fix you anyway. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to fulfill it. That's what I love. Because you're right, Steve. The, the Jewish people did not obey. Nope. You would think, and God could have been said, ah, we're done with you. Move yeah, on. He could have done that. But he didn't. Instead, he says, I'm going to act, and I'm going to, to, to make my move, which is to bring you back to the land. But Jesus becomes the son of man who is the one that God, the idea that a human walks into the presence of God without being consumed, he comes riding on the clouds, all authority, power, and dominion for all nations, tribes, and tongues has been given to him, and he is the one who comes to accomplish that. And the amazing thing is this human that walks into the presence of God is not consumed by his holiness, and he's doing some crazy things like no other human's ever done, like ride on clouds. And so he's got divine He's got divine capacity, and here he is coming to earth to rule over everybody. That's why he's the king of kings. And that's why he was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego kind of taking a shower in the fire. They were, you know? They were dancing around. Who is that? It's the same person. Son the of man. same person. So, yeah, it's pretty pretty exciting. Well, I think we should stop there, Steve, because yep. I think John sets us up perfectly for who we're talk who is talking to him. It's the son of man and that if we read through this, which I, we're going to be spending the next I'm going in front of the mirror a few times, Chris. <laughs> That's right. You're going to come back glowing. I I want the glow. I like it. The revelation glow. All right, so everybody, we're going to be going through the book of Revelation. I hope that was encouraging to you as it's been encouraging to me. Steve, uh, you you sent me some news articles. I did. I did. Uh, and, you know, we've been talking about this, Chris. The election in Israel, BB, uh, party, his party has... His party won uh, 31 seats, and he's putting together a government, it seems. But there's Cyrus. There's trouble. Oh, it's there's tons trouble. of Cyrus. And they should form a party called the Tsurus Party. <laughs> you know, we're, we've been talking about a Jewish state, a Jewish state. That's what they are, a Jewish state. I'm all in favor of that, and so are obviously the Israelis. Well, what's happened is one of the most conservative governments that could ever have happened has happened, and if they're putting together this government, it could have all kinds of repercussions against hey. not just biblical Judaism, rabbinic 
Judaism. This is we're talking about Israel. So here's the headline from the Jerusalem Post. Netanyahu says he is in charge. Israel will not be run by Talmudic law. <laughs> so, Chris, tell us, what's he's feeling some stress here. Well, what's his stress? You know, I think a lot of people in the Western world are happy to see Netanyahu back in power. I, I, and I think a lot of pe- Israelis were happy to see him. A lot him. of Christians yep. love him, too. Netanyahu is a fantastic leader, but Netanyahu is the most liberal person in his coalition government right now. Now he is. You know, normally he was the most conservative or at least the moderate. He looks like uh, a progressive compared to the his party. The the Israeli people overwhelmingly voted, which is interesting to me. They overwhelmingly voted for two major parties that were extremely religious parties. They voted a lot for uh, Shas and United Torah Judaism, which are ultra orthodox parties. Re- the the religious Zionist party is another big one. Those all three of those make up a large portion of the coalition government that is going to be working with Netanyahu. Netanyahu is the only, I, I don't want to say normal, he's the only politician that would look like a politician by any uh, normal standards. Everybody else are really religious Jewish people. So they're bringing in all of their religious Jewish ways, and they want to govern that way. That involved, That's going to involve what's kosher, I mean, kosher has been around in Israel for a long time. All the hotels we stay in have to be certified by the rabbis, etc. But uh, Tel Aviv has always been known as a very liberal city. They're beginning, there's stuff happening that they're bringing things to the Knesset that will affect culture. I'm talking about world culture and how LGBTQ and Mm -hmm. uh, uh, should we keep kosher? And what about the school system? These were things Netanyahu did not want to deal with. No. But but he's going to have to deal with including as we already discussed some of these religious folks they want to be in charge of the military. Oh, they, I think they are going to be in charge of them and the, they've not even served in the military. They, <laughs> there are some real complicated and we make a, a a joke about it but first of all I respect Israeli elections you respect them they this is are what running the people ask their, for this is what the people want it's great for us to view uh, israel which we love we love israel and we watch from afar how they're going to handle this and i think it's fantastic i think we should look we should be praying for our personal government officials whether in america or canada or australia or uk but we always should be praying for the peace of Jerusalem. And <laughs> I don't know how much shalom Bibi has right now. It, well, it's yeah, Just so you can get the idea, there's 120 seats in the Knesset. I think we've talked about this before. We have. Um, and you need half, more than half of the seats in order to have a coalition government. And so Netanyahu's party, Likud, won 32 seats. That's a large, that's 25% of the, of, the, of the Knesset right there. But then religious Zionist group, uh, they had 14, didn't they? 14 seats. That's all. Now, see, you might think, oh, 14 seats. That's a lot of people who voted for them. Um, uh, Shas, which is in United Torah Judaism, together um, have uh, 18 seats. So that's a lot of ultra-Orthodox people and or, you know people voting. They occupy the seats of the coalition government. Netanyahu has to keep them happy. 
Well, they're going after sensitive topics yes, like the are. temple, yep. the temple mount. They want to worship on the temple mount. This, I mean, you want to talk about creating a stir. This is a big stir. And also, again, it will not. Uh, when Netanyahu says Israel will not be run by Talmudic law, he's being serious. There is an there is an maybe the word is awkward. There is an awkward relationship between Talmudic law and Israeli law to the point where you know cities like Tel Aviv are battling whether or not they can even run their buses on Shabbat, um, public buses and transportation and. You know what you can, what stores can be open on Shabbat. I mean, these are done by law. Marriage, certain marriage laws are done by law. If you're if you're Jewish and you're going to marry a Christian person, you, oftentimes you have, go, you have to go off off land. You have, you have to go to off go, land. They go to Greece. They Almost go to Cyprus. To to yeah, they yeah. go to Cyprus, Greece. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, that's Talmudic law that in is embedded in Israeli, and they're worried. I mean, Israelis already don't like that to begin with, but now. The it culture could, it is could, going to change. It could get even more conservative. And Netanyahu is the one he's in charge. Got, he's got to figure it out. <laughs> I oh, think he can do it. All right. Well, that's one. Now we have another. You know, we have chapel, Chris, every Wednesday. And uh, as the moderator, I try to ask our staff before we actually start. They come online. I ask them how they're doing. And uh, in Europe, they're having some trouble because, again, of this of, of the R- Russian war with Ukraine and energy and what Europe is doing in reference to the, the Russians and their energy. And so a headline from the Jerusalem Post reads, Germany, Germany is a, a very sophisticated, Western-minded country. Yep. Germany approves rules to turn down heating and lights this winter. Mm. Chris, we have a representative in Germany. He's If he goes into the store, he's going to freeze his head off. <laughs> They're lowering the temperature because they don't have enough energy. This is a signal to all the world about energy. We have, this is because of a war, but we have politicians in places where there's plenty of energy. They just don't like the kind of energy that's plentiful, and they're on their own limiting what can be produced. And it's controversial. There's people on both sides of the aisle, but the practical consequences of decisions, whether they be because of a, a war or whether they be because, quote, climate change, means that people could suffer through the winter. And, Chris, it could happen in the United States. Oh, yeah, big time, because the uh, the policies that we're setting up are pushing us toward a— System where we're we're moving away, we're doing the same thing Germany essentially has done in in many ways, and it's I think it's a big question that we have as a country moving forward. But just to let people know, Germany is a G seven country. That means it's the top seven of the international countries in economics. We're talking about the top seven countries, Steve, and they're saying to everybody, "We're going to need you to turn your uh, heat down, turn your lights off, because we don't have enough energy." That's because they put all of their stock in Russia. Exactly. And, and you know what? The problem is that we're having is I, I even I know the French president Macron um, has spoken out against some of the policies that our current Biden administration has put forward for policy on energy and um, and green energy. Uh, not that I'm against new technology, Steve. I, I think that should be really clear. I'm not against. 100%. I, I love new. I love getting my iPhone update. I love it when it's more efficient and better. And I don't. I, I am 100% on board of that. But I'm also not 100% on board with shutting lights off and making it cold in the wintertime. Uh, and I think that's the direction. I don't think 
our policymakers realize, at least today, um, what the long-term effects are of these decisions. Because the long-term effect in Germany has really just met a a, a wall. I mean, when Russia attacked Ukraine, boom, they ran into a problem and it was over. They had nowhere else to go. And now they're trying to set up systems to fix it. And now the only what's the alternative? Turn your lights down. Well, you know, it's interesting. I'm old enough to remember Jimmy, Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter came on when he was elected and he just he gave the country the idea. There's no hope. We got to we got to stop using the energy. We're going to run out of energy. He came on. I, I remember Chris. he's on TV. He's got a heavy sweater. They turned down the temperature in the White House. He said it's this is the way it has to be. Well, Americans at that time, at least, were not ready for that. And they elected Ronald Reagan. And Ronald Reagan changed the way Americans think. They went from depression to optimism. That's politics. I admit it's all politics. But Carter had chosen to direct the country, hey, here's the challenges we face. We're just going to have to surrender. And Reagan found another way. I'm telling you, what's happening in Germany is because of Russia, no question. But what's happening as we think of climate change, we have the resources, we have the brain power to be able to do a, a, a train track. Yes, you want wind, you want solar, no problem. Let's research it. Let's and it gets better. Batteries get better. Fine. Zygazun. But don't don't give up. Yeah. What we already have so people could live a decent life. It's, well, there's it's this, just interesting. It's the Western cult. We live in this. Uh, I, to me, I personally just think it's a self-righteousness to think, oh, well, we don't do that. You know, we don't drill in our land or we don't do this or we don't extract this energy. But then they're going and buying it from Iran or buying it from Venezuela, acting as though. Let them dirty their yeah, country. <laughs> exactly. I just think it's so. Fu- but then they use it. Yep. Because they need it. But, yep. hey, we don't do that. We want to be great. We want great, be great. But your your people will speak. Oh, they will. You, it, it's you not do gonna a cold be good. winter. It's not going to be good. And let, let's go to the last news item. And this, You're moving us along here. I know. We got, we we got, got to move to. along. We got yep. to. Uh, uh, this comes from the Jerusalem Post as well. And, by the way, I am moving us along. But, Chris, all these are going to be linked. Yeah, they're all so linked So if anybody yep. wants to see it, they certainly can. You and Tamark. Nakba day, Chris. Mm-hmm. Nakba day. Catastrophe. It's a cata- Israel's establishment as catastrophe. Here in the UN, the vote was 90 to 30 with 47 abstentions. The United States, thank God. Canada, mm-hmm. thank God. Australia, thank God. And thank God for the United Kingdom were among those who opposed the move. What are they doing? They are deciding, uh, they decided in favor of holding a commemorative event. To honor the 75th Nakba Day. That's crazy. Ay, 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 ay. I know. Well, to say Israel's existence is a catastrophe. <laughs> That's what the UN is doing. And they voted for it. <laughs> the same country or the same body of, of politic that said, hey, there should be a Jewish state. That there was the UN that said, yes. there should be a Jewish state, 1947. And it's a catastrophe. Yeah, and now they're coming back 80 some odd years later. Uh, it's a catastrophe. Let's move on. So anyway, it's uh, very interesting, but fortunately, the United States voted against and it. Thank God, it's, you know, by the way, I believe in Genesis chapter 12. I believe in, and I know you do too, I'll bless those who bless thee. Look, when, when the world votes, this is a world vote. Mm-hmm. When you have countries like U.S., Canada, Australia, United Kingdom, they're saying, no, 
we are not going to curse the Jewish people. That's right. This is a curse, and we object. Even if all the other countries don't, we object. And I say, thank God. Now, it's up to God how he wants to bless them, but I believe there's a blessing for those countries. Whatever it is and however small it is, they are saying no to cursing Israel. And we could learn from that. We ought to thank thank God that the United States, under the Biden administration, said no. Yep. Uh, thank God for the uh, for UK. Thank God for Australia. Thank God that they were willing to say no. We are not going to curse Israel, and neither should we. Yep. All right. Well, Steve. Okay. Okay. Uh, Chris, I, 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 again, sometimes I reveal the word. We we talked about the apocalypse, right? We and did. we're talking about Revelation. And so, hold on a minute, though. Yiddish word of the day, everybody. Yiddish word of the day. That's sorry, what this is all sorry. about. Thank you. You jumped the gun the, there. The radio voice is always better than the sage when it comes to this. <laughs> Just keeping uh, people abreast. That's good. So here it is, Chris. I went and looked up unveiling. This is the unveiling. And so I, I went into your office Tell them what I did. I had you Google something. That's right. You said, Chris, Google English to Yiddish unveiling. So I go to the Google Translate, which has a Yiddish dictionary built yes, into it, it which is very cool. And so I type in unveiling into the... And the word is? Unveiling. <laughs> <laughs> if you're an English speaker, you know one word. That's right. In Yiddish. That's right. Ay, unveiling. You could do a whole bunch with it, huh? You know another Yiddish word. Unveiling means unveiling. But it actually has to do a lot with a wedding or, or, or something to do with a funeral, a, a funeral as well. A funeral. Yep. Uh, in Judaism, uh, at the year anniversary of a person's death... This is modern Judaism. There's nothing in the Bible or even in the Talmud. Uh, but there's a time where the family goes through a mourning process, seven days for Shiva, 30 days for the first month. And then at the year anniversary, they go back to the uh, to the a grave site and at the cemetery where there is a covering on the tombstone. It's been there from the time that people bought the tombstone, but you can't read it. There's a whole ceremony, including part of which is to read Psalm chapter 23 as they unveil the tombstone to reveal the person, what when they were born and when they were when they died. And there's a little ceremony called the unveiling. They are revealing this person's grave because for the first year, people could walk by. They don't know who it is. Hmm. After the year, they do. It's the unveiling. Well, we're talking about the unveiling of... Jesus, the apocalypse, the revelation of Jesus who provides life, not only life, but a new heaven and a new earth that's going to be unveiled. A hundred percent. Before John, John's, John wrote the last book in the New Testament, we wouldn't know any of these things. Jesus and his ministry and how God is going to accomplish his end times events is unveiled Un as we read. All right, everybody. That is our Yiddish word of the day, unveiling. Hey, thank you so much for being a part of the Jew and Gentile podcast. Hey, listen, 
We are trying to raise $10,000 this month. I know you might be going, Don't be such a cheapskate. Help us out. That's so much money. Hey, help us because it helps keep the podcast going. It helps keep all of our FOI equip classes going that we have planned for 2023. And most importantly, it helps to take all the teaching that we're doing and to put it to work, put it to action through our FOI equip interns. David Brog tonight. David Brog, December 1st. Be there. If you can't catch it, it'll be on YouTube. Hey, thanks so much for being with us. We'll see you next week.